want to give an Easter message and um, I thought about it and I thought, well, I don't really want to share this, but it's it's the best Easter message I have. Um, so about 30 something years ago, um, I was very young and um, I kind of lost my way. Um, um, I had been living with my at my aunt's house and um I didn't I didn't have a job at the time and uh I'm not exactly sure uh mentally where I was um why I couldn't quite get it together um I had a brain I had a body but um apparently I had let um some type of depression or something get in the way and I wasn't functioning properly as a human being. And uh, we had this really, you know, we had a nice house. It was two stories, about four or five bedrooms. And it's my aunt's house. It's where I was raised mostly. And um, unfortunately, uh, several months before <clears throat> Easter, my aunt had passed away and she was pretty much the last person that um at the time really still had faith in me and was protecting me and um and uh, she was like the last person in her generation that was passing away that kind of protected uh my generation and um it was just a really tough time in our family, on that side of the family, on my dad's side of the family. Uh, like a whole generation of people had passed away, and and um, my generation basically was, you know, not getting along and spread out over the country and so on and so forth. So I was pretty much on my own, except for my cousin Craig and my uncle George, and um, we were losing the house. Um, my aunt had taken out some loans, I guess, to uh, support us and her and and whatever. And when she passed away, I found out that the um, you know the house was in foreclosure. I had no idea that uh, it had gotten to that point. And um, I was trying to find a way out. And uh, Apparently some guy she was dating turned out to be kind of a lizard and he had her sign a second on to the house and um, pretending to be her friend and care about her. She was she was in her 70s, I think it was. She was a nurse and she was just a good person. Um, she kind of looked like Aunt Jemima on the Aunt Jemima bottle. I mean, like dead ringer. And she had the same kind of heart. She was just sweet as pie just cared about everyone just just the just the most loveliest person on the planet earth you'd ever want to meet and um when she died man i'm telling you my head was low 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 and low so we started selling the family furniture the heirlooms uh to the neighbors uh in our neighborhoods uh that's called a west adams neighborhood here in los angeles kind of old big houses Reminds you of the South uh, in Georgia, uh, but in Los Angeles. And 
it pretty much had been settled by um, women. Like all the homeowners seem to be women, uh, you know, married or single black women that had migrated from the South. Most of them had college educations, even though mainly they were just raising kids and being wives and stuff. And uh, so we were selling the furniture to the neighbors because me and my Uncle George uh, and my cousin Craig, we were thinking... Well, you know, we'll get our shit together at some point and we'll come back and we'll get all the family heirlooms back together as long as we know who has them. And we have been doing this for several weeks, calling ourselves just closing the house down. Uh, I was trying to find a buyer, but I didn't know anything about real estate. And, um, you know, even though I was in my 20s, I think I was emotionally like about five years old because I had been seriously abused as a child by my mom and I according to my psychiatrist had to shut my emotional self down to survive so I was just really lost I just you know it I almost felt paralyzed in myself and in my life and in my head and my body I didn't know what to do or how to do it I probably had the brains to go out and make a good living or whatever and I definitely wasn't physically disabled but I mentally I was just uh frozen we were so poor that um to eat each day we would go to this place called Chabalitas and for like a dollar five you could get the best hamburger on the planet earth you know and I think a small coke something like, like a buck and a quarter to get changed it was like it was like McDonald's in the 60s <laughs> it's like crazy and they were just, I mean, onions, tomatoes. And then we would get this stuff called red and white beer. Because it was like, you had like 20 cans for $3. The beer was so bad that if it got to room temperature, it just broke down into like water instantly. But at least it was 20 cans, you know. So it was like drinking water, but it was just a little buzz. And that was that was our life, you know. We had four bucks. If we could make four bucks a day, we could eat, you know. And the, well, actually, it was like seven. So it was three hamburgers and the 20-pack of beer. So we needed $7 a day to live. And we've been doing this. It could have been going on for like a month. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, the whole story sounds crazy, but it's it's the truth. I didn't really want to say it. I didn't want to talk about it, but here we are on Easter, and a lot of people are suffering. It's hard out here, and some people are really, really blessed, but I'm sure that even in their lives, their struggles are just this kind of like what this world is like. And so I wanted to give an uplifting message, but I had so I had to tell the background of this situation. So um, Craig had to go see his mom or something, and... I woke up in the morning and realized it was Easter. I was sleeping on the living room floor. The house was devoid of furniture, I think, except for maybe a couch and a table and a stereo uh, because we needed something to listen to. I think that was the last thing we sold. And uh, uh, I looked out the window over the front lawn. I could see the grass and the hedges and the people outside. And they were all dressed up, and I realized it was Easter Sunday. And my Uncle George, he was a brilliant guy, brilliant guy, but just, just crazy. He's, uh, he's, you know, he was raised in Georgia and, and then came to L.A. And, and I think the, the, the beautiful women and the 
the skies and the, the ocean just put a zap on his head and uh, for some reason he just couldn't get his shit together i mean he just he, he he was always involved in some kind of criminal activity. The guy was in and out of jail all the time. I was like, what's wrong with this dude? I mean, he could teach at Harvard. His brother graduated from MIT. Um, just to divert for a second to let you know a little bit about George. I mean, one time he, he came home from prison and, uh, you know, uh, my aunt was going to cook dinner and stuff. Because, I mean, that was the kind of family they were, southern families. You know, whether you're good or bad, you're always invited to dinner. And uh, I gave him a haircut, and we were downstairs playing chess. And um, I said, Uncle George, you know, just, just, I'm just curious. Like, why are you always doing crime? And he says, well, I don't know. I guess it's in the blood. Checkmate. <laughs> I was like, how can a criminal be so smart? That he keeps kicking my ass in chest. I mean, I might not have been, you know, Bobby Fisher, but I was all right, you know. And so that's George. So he he was he was his name is actually George Jefferson, which is another funny story because all his brothers were named by presidents, which was so typical from the South. So you kind of get what I'm saying. Although I was born on the West Coast, I was raised like a Southern Georgia boy. So to kind of hasten through the story, we wake up this morning. And we used to always keep the money in this little rattan basket, right, from the stuff that we sold. And so we woke up this morning, and I mean, the house is bare. I mean, there's nothing. There's not a kitchen table, chair, dining room chair, armoire, couch, rocking chair. There's not a not a, a clock, a lamp. Not, it's all gone, right? And... um. I look in the rattan basket and there is 20 cents. There is literally two dimes. I had no money in the bank. I had no money in my pocket. George had no money. He didn't have a bank account. And there was two dimes, 20 cents. I looked at George and I said, man, we can't, there's nothing you can buy with 20 cents. He's like, well, what are we going to do, Stevie? Because he always kind of looked up to me and thought, well, you know, he's younger, but he's smart, you know. And I said, well, <clears throat> I said, why don't we get dressed, you know, and go to church? And I said, because with two dimes, I mean, what else are we going to do with you? Might as well just give it to the Lord and say a prayer. And he agreed immediately. He didn't even hesitate. Went and got his suit. We uh, We ironed our clothes and we got all dressed up and we were going to holy name of Jesus, which was. Oh, about 10 blocks from the house. <clears throat> we didn't have any cars or anything. We, I mean, everything was gone. And uh, we went out. We walked. You know, we're talking and stuff. We walked down to church. We go in. And then we're sitting in the pews. I don't remember the sermon that day. But I remember when the offering basket was coming. And in church, this church is in the neighborhood church. I mean, everybody knows you. The the whole neighborhood knew what we were going through, right? They Because we're selling them the furniture and stuff. And we were so embarrassed about how broke we were, we decided to put the dimes in envelopes so nobody could see how small amount of money we were donating in church. And so I gave him a dime. I had a dime, and we put it in the basket, and we said a prayer. And then... Uh, you know, church was over. We were walking home. We were so broke. We were walking over the bridge over the Santa Monica Freeway because it ran, it goes right straight through that neighborhood. 
And we just started laughing, just hysterically laughing. I was like, man, we are broke. I mean, we are zeroed out. And he's like, I know. We had no plan. We uh, know what, nothing to do. Easter Sunday, all dressed up. And I mean, our pockets were turned inside out if you'd have reached in. And nothing would have fell out but lint. And um, I swear to God, we, 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 it's about two more blocks to the house. And we get to the corner. Our house is the second house on the north side of the street. And so we're, we're to the left, look to the right. And as we hit the corner and we're kind of crossing, we're not crossing in the crosswalk, but kind of cutting across to go straight to the house. All of a sudden, we see these ladies walking down the street, coming from, you know, each and every direction. And um, we get to the porch and they've got trays of food. And uh, open the door and people were bringing food like all day. Saying your aunts would be so proud of you boys. You're keeping your head up even under all these really hard circumstances. And we're proud of you for being strong. And you're carrying your family's name on the right way. You know, nothing's ever easy. And just, just, just amazing amount of support. I was blown away. We had so much food. I mean, I didn't know what to do with it. And, um... I just sat there and I thought, wow, I, I gave a dime to the Lord. It, not much. You know, what's he going to do with a dime? And next thing you know, the house was full of food. And um, Monday comes, I wake up in the morning and back then the mailman used to put the mail through the slot in the door. It was a little hole and a little metal thing that flapped back and forth. And uh, so I'm going through the mail and there's this letter from the IRS and I, with my name on it, Stephen Butler. And I go, man, just, you know what? Why, why pile bad news on top of bad news? And I open up the letter and it says, Dear Mr. Butler, the IRS did an audit of your account and realized that we had underpaid you $505.30. We sincerely apologize, and here's the check. I was like, what? When did the IRS ever do an independent audit on their own, admit to a mistake, and cut you a check without you calling a lawyer? Man, I couldn't believe it. I, unbelievable. I swear to you, since that day, 30 some odd years ago, no matter how rich or how poor I've been in the roller coaster of my life, I have never missed a meal. Not one single day. Not one single day has the Lord let me go without food and shelter. And I've had some great days, some amazing times a bunch of friends and parties and playing tennis and golf and, and doing all the wonderful things that money can bring you. And I've had some low days where it's been tough and hard and I've been working and it didn't seem to quite work out. And I've never had to worry about that. Well, here we are in 2020 
the entire world's on lockdown. Some, I can't remember what the figure was. I think they said some 12, 13, 14 million people have signed up for unemployment. Um, apparently in uh, somewhere in uh, Oklahoma, uh, they had a food bank and it was a, a line about a mile long of people in cars trying to get something to eat. And uh, it's Easter. It's Easter. Whether you believe in God or Jesus or whatever it is that you hold on to, that you put your faith into. Man, if you believe, your heart is pure. I believe that the miracles you seek will find you. And on this Easter, I give you my prayers and my love. And I offer a dime to the Lord above for your health, your family, and your security. Amen. It's 2230 Redondo saying, peace out. Keep the faith.